Brothers and sisters, good morning. Look carefully, nothing up my sleeve, nothing up my sleeve. I'm going to attempt to do something today, the likes of which you have never seen. I'm going to preach a short homily relative to how I normally preach. Today, I want to get to the gospel through the first reading. I want to make sure we understand the first reading and end with one final point. In the first reading today, we hear from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is one, the last, of the first five books of the Bible. We call that the books of Moses or the Pentateuch or the Torah. It's the last of these books that tells the story of Israel. If in Genesis we hear about Adam and Eve, about Noah, eventually about Abraham. In Exodus we hear about Moses. And later on, in Leviticus and Numbers, we hear about all of the laws, the many laws which God had given as Israel traveled through the desert. In Deuteronomy, we get one final set of laws and a final plea from Moses to the people. And in this plea that we hear today, Moses tells all of Israel to obey God's commandments. Perhaps unsurprising. Why? Because if they obey those commandments, people, other people, will notice two things. First, they will notice that God is close to Israel. And second, they will notice that the laws of God are just. First, they will notice that God is close to the people. And second, they will notice that God's laws are just. These two things Moses lists out I'd like to propose to you they're actually just one thing. It's actually just one thing that people will notice because they know that God is close to Israel. How? How do they know that? People are following the laws. How does that, why does that mean that God is close to Israel? I don't know, Father. It's 8 a.m. Fine. It means that God is close to Israel because Israel was the only people God cared enough about to provide a set of laws. God had always wanted all people to be gathered back to himself since the time of Abraham. But in the instance of the golden calf, God's people rejected him. They renounced him. They left him. And God provided the laws as a way back home. It was a sort of maturation process, a time when Israel would have to grow in discipline, grow into their identity, so that eventually they could see maybe Dad wasn't such a bad guy, and maybe we were at home all along. God provides these laws as a means to an end. Let me be clear about that. They are a means. There's some way that you accomplish an end, arrive at a goal. They were the way that you were supposed to be able to fulfill relationship with God. The law was neat and it was organized and it was presented as such. There were laws for priests, laws for laity, laws regarding ritual, laws regarding just daily life. God gave these laws out of a desire for his son Israel, that the son might 
somewhere in the process, have his heart set on fire for love of God and want that relationship with his father to be repaired. Israel frequently discarded the means, frequently let the laws slip, and let their hearts grow cold. Israel did not desire God as God desired Israel. Until one group of religious zealots decided that they would try to follow this means. They were called Pharisees. They tried to accomplish the good work of God so that they could be in God's good graces. But in so doing, they extended laws. If the law said, there's a line here that you ought not to cross, the Pharisees said, great, you know the best way to not cross this line? By not crossing this line. And they drew the line further. So, for example, in our gospel today, all priests were required by law, by the law of God, to ritually purify themselves before they presented a food or cereal offering in the temple. That way they could be holy before God. The Pharisees said, you know the best way to make sure that the priests are holy before God, that the priests are purifying themselves in front of food, if everyone purifies themselves in front of food. This was not actually part of the law, but it was something that they enforced. This was their great mistake. They accidentally forgot the ends, and they loved and elevated the means. They loved the law and prized the law, but forgot that they weren't supposed to love the law. They were supposed to love God and the law was supposed to help them love God. This is why Jesus accuses them. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Brothers and sisters, you and I, in this final point, we live in a new covenant. Our covenant with Christ in baptism, when you were baptized, is new. Hooray. But our temptations are old. And while our covenant has been fulfilled, superseding the old, while the curses incurred for breaking the laws have been borne by the Son of God, the Son who was so loved by the Father still tends to travel away from Him. Our fathers in the faith faltered by choosing other things over God, not primarily in their legalism, but primarily in loving God too little. You and I, anytime we choose any other thing over God, fall into this same trap. It's not necessarily that we choose bad things, perhaps we choose good things. Perhaps there are things that we love, and we love them because they're good. Perhaps there are boxes that we check and say, oh, if I can do this good thing or join this good organization or give money to this good cause, well, then everything will be fine. Maybe it will be fine, but if it is, it will only be because we love God as we ought to. Let me be clear about one final thing in this last point. When I say ought to, that might sound sterile, that might sound cold, that might sound like a rule book. 
But that's not how relationships work. When there's someone that we ought to love, we ought to love them because they're lovable. And in the case of God, it's because we are first loved. God provided the law so that in fulfilling it, everyone would know he's close to his people. He desires his people. He wants them to be back with him. And now you and I, as we do this good thing, join that good organization, support that good cause, take these great means and opportunities as a way to show God is close to us. He does desire you. He sees you as worthwhile, sees that you have what it takes, and wants you to fulfill this so that you can be close with him. Why? Because he wants you to be. <laughs> he loves you, and so we love him. Amen.